You know, I know you guys get sick of me just trying to trying to reel in listeners with my clever songs. Um, hi guys, really great to see you. You, you, uh, Adam and Caitlin are here with me. Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh, respectively from their own homes uh, in Ontario. I'm still here in Alberta in the trees, and I just have to say that my morning started out really great. I looked out the door and saw this beautiful deer and I've never seen a male deer here before, which seems odd. I've posted lots of pictures on my Instagram of the, the girls. The gals are all sticking together. They're out there. They got their babies with them. It's the sweetest. So today there was a lone male. I'm going to say young, probably a year and a half, two years, little teeny antlers. And I'm like, Oh, so anyway, then of course the car comes down the road, uh, going to the property across from me and somebody shut a car door. Well, he kind of leapt off. Well, he only had like three legs going. He had the Jimmy leg, like he was dangling a leg. And I was saying to you guys before we started the the program today that, you know, wildlife, they're so intrepid. Can you imagine the first couple of months with that broken leg, the agony and trying to, it looks very much like he was hit by a car, but who knows? Maybe he got in a fight with another male deer. I don't know how these things work, but he looked in very good spirits. He looked super healthy. He was not thin. Anyway, I just wanted to share my Audubon moment <laughs> with, with you guys. It's like, have you guys ever known someone who had a, um, you know, a pet, a dog where they had to have a leg amputated for whatever reason. Mm. And Yikes. I've had this, I've had this happen to a couple of my friends, dogs. And, uh, and it's amazing to see how, like you said, Jan, they're just so resilient and, you know, they bounce right back and they're happy as anything and they just figure it out. And I always am so envious of that with animals where, you know, there's no wallowing from a three-legged dog. They're just like, okay, I'm going to get the ball a little differently. Oh, like, okay. Yep. Like they just keep, keep it moving. Well, just the whole idea and there's definitely lessons for all of us to be learned by looking around us at nature. You know, uh, animals are always deemed to be inferior from people, but you know, here's this deer. I don't know how, how I would have done in nature uh, <laughs> with a broken leg <laughs> by myself crawling through the trees. Anyway, it was, it was inspiring to see him looking in good spirits and, none the wiser uh it was shocking when i kind of saw the leg flopping around i i wanted to like call somebody and then i'm thinking jan who are you gonna call a hi yeah there's a one-legged deer hopping through my trees is there someone you could send like what are they to come with a butterfly net no it, it it's and i'm sure they people would be on the phone going uh yeah whatever lady um i want to keep things kind of light before we do delve into you know the what everyone's seeing on a constant basis, which is the stuff still going on in the States. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about dream jobs because I know on one of our episodes and because of COVID, everyone has been considering, God, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Do you have like a a dream job, like take COVID away, take everything away? Because we've all had time to think, God knows about what do we want to do with our lives? Caitlin, Hmm. like, I would love, and I mean, I don't know how this would work with the family, but Anthony Bourdain did it. I would love to do a combination of food and travel, um, you know, writing, television, that kind of thing. I think that would be so exciting. 
I love travel so much. And I think if you can, um, you know, kind of like educate people a little bit about places they've never seen before, get them excited about different cultures, different foods, meet new people, try new languages, like that stuff's just very, very exciting to me. So I've always thought that would be great. But you know, not the you, best. You'd time. be great at it. Yeah, not the best time to be into travel. But thank you. I would love it. That would be absolutely 100,000% my dream job. Adam? I truly you're gonna, love you're what gonna, I, you're, yeah. I know. I, I knew <laughs> you were going to say I love my job. Disclaimer first. I, I love radio. <laughs> I love audio. I love music and production and sound. and I love that stuff. I really do. I feel like this is what I was meant to do in life. That being said, I would be a chef if I had to choose another. Wow. I love cooking. I love food. I'm a foodie. And in the last, <laughs> over the last 10 months, that's all I've been doing is cooking at home and finding new recipes and improving my techniques. I would be a chef. I think you'd be excellent at it because you're very passionate about food. I love food. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> love food? And we've talked a lot about food on the show and just how important it's been. Um, how important it's been for people really the last year. And I think food kind of took off probably a decade ago. Who would have thought that we would have famous chefs mm -hmm. that we would have networks and not one, not two, but several food and lifestyle oriented networks that really have made people household names. I mean, if you remember back in the day, Julia Childs obviously was comes yes. to mind in the fifties and sixties the Galloping Gourmet, or are you guys a little young for that? But do you remember the Galloping Gourmet? I know who he is. Graham Kerr, right? Yeah, he was hammered mm -hmm. on TV all the time. He was drinking <laughs> wine. Um, but then in the last decade, like, well, you know, what? the Food Network's been around probably 20 years now, do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, about that. Yeah. World famous chefs like Giada oh, and, all, and all their restaurants. If you go to Vegas... <laughs> Anytime soon, or have you, have you been to Vegas? 1993, by the way, I just looked it up. The Food Network wow. has been yeah. around since 1993. Coming, coming up on it. Um, Guy yeah. Fieri, Guy Fieri, who's um, got Guy's Grocery Games and uh, Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the branding that these guys do. Anyway, Adam, I can very much see you being, you know, uh, a world famous chef. And I will support you completely. Thank you. And we can do cooking. We can do cooking segments on a podcast. I know some people do podcasting cooking shows. Ooh, um, sure. You're going to think this is really weird. And I may have told you guys this before, but I would love to be like a mini archaeologist. I know I've said this. I know oh. I've talked about getting a metal detector and my friend going, I'm not letting you bloody walk around with a bloody metal detector. But uh, I know I wouldn't find anything here in Rocky View County, Alberta. There'd probably be like nothing to find. I don't, How far I don't are you from Drumheller? An hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if like your proximity to like actual crazy impressive dinosaur bones and... Oh, you know, absolutely. The, I absolutely I, am. Uh -huh. Yeah, I bet you... I wonder if that influenced some of your interest in it. Like maybe, like, do you remember thinking about that as a kid ever? Or? Yes. Do you mm -hmm. remember the toys that you'd get? Um, I do. And I remember actually getting one for a birthday or Christmas or something where... You carve away the clay, and on the inside, there was a little bone, like dinosaur or something yeah, fake, yeah. but they'd give you the tools. I thought that was real, for one thing, <laughs> like a, that there was a That's real so cute. <laughs> bone in there. And I just was fascinated. I also got a chemistry set when I was a kid, and people would probably think of me going, what? Weren't you like always a fanatic about music? And I wasn't. 
I didn't want to be a musician. I didn't mm. aspire to be a singer. Um, it was just something I happened to do in my parents' basement. But oh my gosh, that my my the chemistry set. How dangerous was that? They sent you all these chemicals. I was like nine. I know. <laughs> with these slides, and I never I never followed the experiments. I dumped everything into everything. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, I remember those. I remember those. I love that stuff. I loved it. We had like here in Toronto, we have the Ontario Science Center. That was one of my favorite places to visit. And seeing the dinosaur bones at the Royal Ontario Museum here also, such oh, yeah. a highlight as a kid. Like it's just, it's great. I love it. I mean, like most kids like too, it's just so cute that they have like a favorite dinosaur. So I could see that, Jan. You could, I could see you digging around in like a cool outfit with, you know, like a, a Tilly hat on and a little duster. Oh, I would love it. I'm fascinated by archaeology shows. I follow archaeology on like Flipboard or there's things that I subscribe to. Um, there's podcasts, really great. I mean, I, I don't want to like be promoting somebody else's podcast, but I got to do a shout out to these guys there. It's, it's British and it's called the History Extra Podcast. Oh. And they do, a, he, he, these guys are keeners. They do a podcast a day. Oh, wow. 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 There's okay. a new episode every day. So I have been listening as I go to sleep at night. And you can also listen to our show as you go to sleep at night. You know, I'm not, I want to like throw some uh, light on us too, but. Oh, so um, that's on the BBC. Yes. yes. History Extra podcast. Yeah. Last night I was just listening to, well, there's so many to catch up on because they've been doing it since like 2014. So mm -hmm. there's hundreds of them. But oh man, gosh. I am in heaven listening to what what an eating day was like for Henry VIII. I was just going to so say the topics. They, like I just looked at this and the topics are amazing. Like just the most recent ones that popped up is like when British pop invaded America, the collapse of the Third Reich, medieval data. Like there's so much content here. Well, the, the Henry VIII eating thing, I was so fascinated. Of course, I fell asleep before I heard the whole thing, but... You know, they were big into like peacocks and cranes and they ate weird stuff because it was all for show, whether it tasted good or not. Yeah. And sugar was massive. None of these people had freaking teeth. Like <laughs> everyone's teeth rotted out of their heads because savory wasn't really a thing yet. Like huh. the rich people, if they could do everything with sugar, because it was very expensive and it showed power there, and yeah anyhow after you finish listening to one of our podcasts that are only weekly then you've mm -hmm. got like six of those to listen to i'm gonna not to like also promote another podcast but i'm going to okay <laughs> but i think jen you should really check it out because it's um the singer songwriter george Ezra. he's from the uk he wrote that song budapest like it's probably his best known song. yes yes i know it and, yeah. And so he does a music podcast where he sits down and talks to amazing musicians and talented singer songwriters. And it's these really engaging, uh, interesting conversations. And he just did one with Shania Twain that I loved. I loved hearing it. I loved hearing about her. I mean, I know so much about her, um, like just from working in radio and obviously she was a small town Ontario girl. So I kind of always loved that about her, but yeah. she, it's a great conversation. I think you'd really like it. And probably some of your favorite artists are interviewed by him. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to check that out. I don't know why he hasn't called me. I know. Um, I George, just find that really, anyway, you, um, <laughs> we're here, we're, pr we're promoting other podcasts. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast and show. <laughs> we're going to be back. We're going to talk about 
the difficulties people face doing comedy with no audience and no laughter. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to the Janard podcast and show. I'm here with Caitlin and Adam. So everyone's doing everything virtually. Um, every, you know, there's concerts. We saw that very early days. There's, you know, virtual live casts and people are trying to monetize the arts. Well, comedians, especially, and I have a, a friend of mine, Geroid Fairley was on our show um, a few months back and he's an Irish comic. And we talked quite a bit about, him doing the odd virtual thing and how weird it is to not have people laughing. And, you know, he's hired to do like a three minute joke thing before a real estate meeting or something like his corporate work is to do a set. So anyway, Ricky Gervais, who's, you know, probably one of the biggest comedians on the planet. His show afterlife is so good. If you haven't seen it's on Netflix, there's two, uh, two series, series uh, one and two, sorry, seasons. And it's so worth seeing. Say what you will about Ricky. You might love him, you might hate him. But uh, he's very smart and he's very funny and he's very in tune with the Mm. world. Anyhow, he could have been the first comic to perform like stand-up in space. (laughs) But uh, it says that fear got the best of him. I'll just read you this little bit. Uh, Ricky revealed details about the special invitation on a commercial space flight. I was invited to one of the, I mean, this is beyond virtual, right? This is like in space virtual. (laughs) Um, I was invited to one of these things where you go up into space for 15 minutes. No, thank you for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, A group of billionaires were putting this thing together. They offered me the chance to be the first comedian to do stand-up show in space. Um, Obviously, they probably offered him a lot of money. The idea was enticing, says Gervais, to deliver his caustic one-liners and insults. However... He has a very healthy fear of dying and flying in space. <laughs> uh, so that didn't happen. Uh, would you even consider going up in space for any reason at all? Like they're talking about doing civilian flights. I, I have no interest in it. I seriously don't. But there's so many people that do. They had uh, 200,000 people sign up for that Mars mission. Yeah, the Mars mission to me is crazy because let's be honest, he ain't coming back. So. No. That's a no for me. I would be scared out of my mind, but I would have a really hard time passing up the opportunity to go into space. Caitlin, you are a mother. I don't know if I could live with myself if someone offered me that. I think I would I think I would be afraid. I would be so scared and anxious. Hey, what are you talking about now? Are you, are you talking about the 15-minute flight into space and then coming back down? Is this what yeah, we're talking or- about? Yeah, 15 minutes up, I want to see the world from like that far away, you know, be up there, feel the feeling of losing gravity, all that stuff. And then I want to come back. (laughs) Like, I don't want to live on the International Space Station. I don't want to like pee into a bag or whatever they have to do. Like, I don't want to have to go through the intense training. I just want to go up there and come back. (laughs) I'm saying hell no, Adam. Would you freaking go in space? Exactly what you said, Caitlin. I'd be so super scared to leave the atmosphere but i think that would be the thrill of a lifetime to I know. see the earth from and above. it might be the end of the lifetime also right yeah oh i just i'm not a i'm not a daredevil i don't i think people have this idea of me just from watching rick mercer for 15 years of doing <laughs> the world's fastest zip lining and being on brahma bulls and going luging and all i i i hate all of it i don't like anything risky. I'm a very good flyer. I'm not afraid of flying at all. 
Um, I'm well into my second million mile on Air Canada, which is fine. But I, um, I don't, I don't mind it. I'm not afraid of flying. See, I'm very afraid of flying. I don't like it. You I should don't... be afraid. You should be afraid of not flying. Yeah, <laughs> don't I mean, be afraid. Like, I'm one of those people that gets like, I have Ativan for when I have to fly. Cause I get so nervous. It's not so much the takeoff or anything. It's that at some irritating point in the flight, usually it's halfway over the ocean, you hit turbulence. And then they say, you're going to, we're going to be experiencing turbulence for the next however long. And I just can't deal with the drops and the bumps. It drives me crazy. So yeah, again, like I would be very afraid of going into space. I just don't think I could say no to it. Like the stuff that I've done in my life that has scared me the most, I remember the most and I, I, and I really enjoy in the end looking back, but you have, I have to push myself to do it. I'm just going to take this opportunity to do a little plug for live horse export and trying to get it banned. So imagine four draft horses stuffed into wooden crates that are terrified out of their minds, peeing and crapping on each other. They're in those crates for almost two days from the time they're loaded to the time they get to a little tiny Island off the coast of the main Island of Japan. You talk about turbulence. Horses are not meant for that. A lot of times they're crumpled on top of each other. And a lot of times they're dead when they get there. They don't care. They think it's an acceptable loss of money to have maimed and dead horses. Anyway, hashtag stop live horse export. Hashtag horse. I'm going to say that. Um, www.horseshit.ca. You can go on and see how you can help and get a t-shirt and stuff like that. I will put that plug in because it's something I'm spearheading with the Canadian horse defense coalition. I've talked about it a lot, but I couldn't pass up that opportunity. Cause like you said, Caitlin, imagine being a human being that knows what's going on. Oh. Turbulence. Imagine being 90 horses in the belly of a 747 going across a trans Pacific flight. And I have dropped out of the sky. I've been on, I don't know how many thousands of flights, but I've, I've dropped five, 6,000 feet in 30, 40 seconds in some of those bad turbulences on overseas mm-hmm. flights. And um, I just can't imagine there's no vet on board. There's no food or water. So I just want people to understand that this is a handful of guys making 20 million plus dollars a year. They're not feeding Canadians. There's no, there's, there's nobody going to be losing their jobs that are feeding their families. This is a very cottage industry that are spurred by a bunch of white guys, old white guys that have been doing this forever that have gotten away with it and they think it's funny and they think it's no big deal to terrify horses. And then they're eating a sushi, which is even more insulting. It's like the way it's also too like the market that's being served is as narrow as you could possibly imagine. It's it's, it's rich people feeding rich people. Yeah. It's just, it's just bizarre, cruel stuff that like, it just feels outdated and it's not like, you know, once you know that it exists, because I think a lot of people don't, which is why it's so great that you spread the word. Yeah. I wanted to bring uh, it up again. Yeah, but once you realize it, you're like, what is the point? Like five people are becoming bajillionaires over this. Yep. We're terrorizing nice, lovely, sentient beings that we relied upon as human beings for centuries to help us out. And then when they land, if they're making it, they're being yeah. consumed by this, the narrowest market uh, yes. possible. So it, yeah. just, it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. No. And you know, we always have, we have a saying in music, you're only as good as the worst guy in your band. And that's what Canadian agriculture comes down to. You're only Mm -hmm. as good as the worst guy in your band. So when you have things like this that exist in the Canadian food system, and believe me, it is, it's in the Canadian food system. Canadians have to reconcile that. This is what we do. And the whole world knows they don't even do it in the States anymore. Um, The horses from the States either get shipped to Mexico 
or they ship up to Canada and we do the dirty work. Anyway, you, I think we're coming to the end of the segment. Thank you so much for letting me do that, you guys. Um, I promise not to say anything for at least two weeks about live horse export. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast and we shall return very shortly. Welcome back to the Jan Arden podcast and show. I'm here with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. Caitlin is pregnant. She has mm-hmm. uh, five weeks to go. Uh, oh, wait, I'm 33 weeks. So I have seven. Seven weeks to go. Yes. So <laughs> how your last year, last year, last week, your baby was the size of a Care Bear. Ooh, let's check my app and see what so, it is now. Yeah. So check your app. Caitlin has an app and the app tells her like in layman's terms using things like care bear or q-tip or bottle cap of how big her child is i wonder what they'll use this week it is a cantaloupe hey oh cantaloupe that is very visual yeah cantaloupe is yeah it's round you you when when it's a round like object you really (laughs) picture it when sometimes they'll be like it's a car battery and you're like no it's not like you can't (laughs) picture that but like that's good this one you can that in and of itself with seven weeks to go (laughs) giving birth to a cantaloupe seems very hard to me yeah that 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 seems like that's enough that's (laughs) enough of a size we don't have to get any bigger let's stop it at a cantaloupe but yeah. oh no! Can you just tell me what next week's is? I don't think I. Let me just see. Is it? Oh, maybe the no. The app won't let you. Oh, it might. I can try to. Can I can you try fast to fast forward the app. That's funny. Try and circumvent. Okay, here's where it doesn't make sense. Then okay. it says at thirty. Then it says the next week is um a butternut squash. <laughs> okay, like, and I and I. But a butternut a squash is is kind of a shapely thing. So when we go from round. The butternut squash is kind of like a bell. Yeah. Like right? I regard, I have a butternut squash sitting in my kitchen and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I regard this as being like actually smaller than Go sit than some on that butternut squash. Go sit on it. The thing that's crazy to me and like, it's funny, we were talking about Ricky Gervais earlier in the podcast and um, I love his take on just about everything, but he does talk about how funny it is in his most recent stand-up special that um, we, the reason why, like how useless human children are when they're born versus animals right so the gestation period for animals means that when like a giraffe pops out a baby giraffe it kind of just gets up and starts walking whereas we because our heads are so damn big as human beings we have to pop these babies out well before they're ready to even make rudimentary attempts to defend themselves (laughs) so you see see, like elephants getting up after like six minutes and running They have yeah. to keep up with people and run across the Serengeti. Like yeah. there's no screwing around here. I get it. You oh. know, infants really, let's face it. Can we just be honest here for a second? Mm-hmm. Human beings are useless till they're 45. Yes. <laughs> so they they really serve no purpose until they're 45 years old. They can't make a decent decision. They let people down. They, they don't know what they're doing. They whine, they complain. Yeah. 45. They kind of go, Oh, okay, I guess this is it. I, I guess I better figure it out. One of the cutest things about a baby to me is how useless and squishy it is. Like, I just think it's hilarious when they pop out. And that's what, whenever I've babysat or looked after a baby, I wind up having those one-way conversations with them where I'm like grabbing at their arm being like, what's this for? What is this even going to do? You can't do anything with this. Why do you even have it? Like, it's just hilarious to me. So yeah, I mean, I have to put, once the baby gets to a certain size, it's just got to get out of there because its head's going to get too big. And then one of my girlfriends, I was saying this, I, I was like, I have a very large head. 
And I said, I hope that our baby <laughs> inherits Kyle's head instead of mine. And she said, well, actually it's the shoulders. And I was like, you know what? I don't uh, want to go into uh, any more detail on this. Let's just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't. Yeah. I, I don't even know why people would like YouTube pregnancies or, or go on to like possible risks or why, why? Like, I don't know. I'm just glad. And I, and I mean this with love in my heart to any of you beautiful, strong, amazing women that have had children at home. I think that's so amazing. And I would imagine now with COVID uh, there's more and more women that want to do home births more than ever before and have the, the, uh, the swimming pool in the living room, you know, the kiddie pool filled up with water yeah, oh yeah. and all that stuff. But, um, I just, I, I, how strong do you have to be? Like I, women don't get enough credit. Like maybe they do, but I just look at it as a miracle. Every time my, my friends have kids or now they're having grandkids, of course, cause I'm 58 years old. I just look at these kids and I'm like, you made that with yeah. your body. I know. The little fingers and the eyelashes, the individual eyelashes. I am baffled by, by the miracle of, of what we are. Every, uh, when I, I was like the first month of being pregnant, I was just living in a perpetual state of stoner moments where I would walk around and just look <laughs> at people and be like, you're from a person, you're from a person, you're from a person. Like, you're, how did so many people decide Adam's to make nodding. other people? Like, I it just feels, too. it feels ridiculous sometimes when you really think about it like that. When you realize how much effort it takes and how long it takes to make a baby, you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe people are still doing this. Like, no, whenever people ask you like why do like why you know like why have you thought about not having kids because previously I didn't know that I wanted to have children and so a lot of people be like why don't you want kids and again a Ricky Gervais bit but it was like <sighs> why do you that's the better question for everybody like it is a long hard process and obviously the answer is love but really you're like I think that's the that's the big question but I think you you someone like you I would imagine and your husband Kyle you're thinking about what kind of a planet are we leaving for Mm -hmm. kids like what do you know let's face it your child will potentially live I I think well into her his or her hundreds maybe Um, the way genetics are changing I mean, in the next 20 years, I think if people can hang in there and stay well and look after themselves, I think potentially you could mm-hmm. definitely live to be 100, 110, 120 years old. I yeah. mean, I have these really great conversations with my family doctor all the time. And he's like, Jan, it's coming. You know, how, you know, the genetics. But yeah, I, I understand there's a lot on the table for you guys to consider having a kid, everyone having a kid. Yeah. So something we're doing that I never even thought of is we are storing cord blood. And I just think of all cord, the medical advances. Cord blood? Yeah. Umbilical cord blood. Okay. Right. I have heard blood, of that. Yeah. The that. umbilical cord blood contains 10 times more stem cells than bone marrow. And so, you know, we talk about being able to live longer and and the future of medicine. And so with this right now, I think they said that, you know, cord blood is being used to um, treat upwards of, you know, 40 different, very difficult to treat diseases. Maybe it's even 80 now. And, but what they're really saying is it's the potential. It's the amount of research. It's all the many things that they believe could be treated using stem cells And so we decided we were going to save ours and, you know, hopefully knock on wood, nothing comes up. You don't need it. But you know, in the end, if we did, God forbid, it's it's great. I'm glad you do. I mean, this is really random, Caitlin, but (laughs) I just, and I'm not kidding you. Like 48 hours ago, I was 
watching archaeology stuff. I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube and I came across a gorilla who had just given birth and she was, oh. eating, she was eating her umbilical cord. She was uh, eating it. Uh, no, I know. I saw her. I don't, I, I know there's, a reason, there's a reason for it, but, uh. <laughs> but I mean, this is nature. This is something she's like, I'm going to have this unbelievable nutrition. I know it seems sort of cannibalistic, but you cannot tell me that people didn't eat the placenta and all that stuff through history. Cause I've read stuff about that. Welcome to the Jan Arden podcast. Today we delve into some <laughs> horrific. No, I mean, it's true. There's all kinds of mythology uh, do's and don'ts around the cord, the placenta and all that stuff. But anyhow, yeah. I saw that. I saw yeah. that. I'm leaving okay. mine to the people though. I'm leaving mine to the nice people at the hospital. They can okay. store it using science. And that's my preference. Sweetheart, yes. can you grab a package of hamburger out of the free? No, sweetheart, the hamburger. <laughs> Not the well, cord. Some, some people like they plant theirs, like lots of stuff happens with them. But yeah, you're right. We could be living longer and longer. And it's all thanks to these amazing medical advances that are happening all the time. All I know is that I have no children. Adam has two daughters. You're about to have a person. Could be a boy <laughs> or a girl. And uh, it's a boy. And I, it, oh, that's right. That's right. We did decide that. <laughs> we, we did decide that. And I will just be incontinent and running around in a muumuu with no one to help me. So picture that and feel we'll sorry We'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. You heard it here first. I believe a verbal contract is legally binding, Adam. So when they, when they replay this in a court of law, that's all right. We'll look after you. Um, you are listening to the Jan Arden podcast. We'll be right back with so much more interesting things. We are back with the Jan Arden podcast. I am Jan Arden. I sleep with her every night. Um, the court. What's she like? She is so good in bed. She <laughs> sleeps in a small corner uh she doesn't have a lot of night terrors the gas is minimal i'm telling you she is a catch um, i was gonna say isn't it funny though that good in bed does change as you age like good in bed starts out one thing when you're in your 20s and then later it's like they don't snore they don't yes. want to cuddle too much um they don't, they don't sleep spoon. apnea yeah. yeah exactly oh my god i know it just comes down to the simple basic things they're really still uh there's no drooling drooling's mm -hmm. big for me like and I know it happens, but I, I'm not saying it's big for me. I don't drool at this point, but I, I curse the day that I start going down that road. Uh, anyway, what a, what a horrible, and I want to go back. Let's stop right now. I want to go back. Cord blood storage. Yeah. Yes. We talked about this on the break. It's a thousand. What, what was Adam? You were saying it's a thousand dollars. And then I think it's about a thousand dollars to do to what? Do to, to have them come and take the blood and store mm. it. And what is it like? Uh, they freeze it, right? It must be frozen yeah. somewhere. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then Caitlin, you said it's $140 a month. Yeah. So we're lucky. We have a friend whose parents have a medical tech company that specializes in this. <laughs> oh and God. so uh, we got a bit of a discount, not a lot, uh, but it was this, enough. This and sounds so bizarre. Isn't it just bizarre? I mean, I can't believe I'm saying it. Not a thing I ever thought I'd be talking about in my life, but here we are. So yeah, you, your starting fees are anywhere from a thousand, I think to $2,000. And then after that, you pay an annual storage fee. And again, like it's not for everybody. The cost is definitely a deterrent for a lot of people. 
Um, and it depends on if you have, but for some people, no matter what, if you have a family history of, uh, her, of one of these hereditary diseases that is now being successfully treated with cord blood. So yeah, I think if you fall into the category of someone who um, knows that there's like a family history and right. it might be treated with this cord blood, you're going to, you like, you spend the money for a lot of other it's people. A, it's a no brainer. It, it doesn't, yeah, it's it, worth every dollar. Yeah. For a lot of other people, they don't think it's worth it. It's totally personal. Um, I just think the potential for this to be used for many things we don't even yet realize later in life is, is amazing. So I wanted to do it. Yeah. I just want to jump in here and say, this is the third time we've tried to record this segment. We keep pausing. <laughs> so Adam has probably made this sound really seamless, what you're listening to right now. I hope you so. just got, you just, Caitlin just got the best delivery. And I'm like, Caitlin, I love these people. You got yeah, a green, so, green juice and a code to like have juices for the rest of the year or some damn thing. Well, this isn't, it's not the code for juices, but they did send me a green juice because they, maybe they know that I really like them. Um, or maybe I really like I, them. Me too. This is from a company called Elixir Juice Lab here in Toronto, but oh no. Yeah. Elixir Juice Lab. That's right. This one is cucumber, granny Smith, apple, kale, spinach, lemon, mm. and ginger, but it's from... Um, my favorite reality TV streaming service called Hey You. <laughs> and I have a guilty pleasure show called Below Deck. I don't know if I've talked about this with you yeah. guys before. Oh, ha really? Yeah, you have. You're like, you're like <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell talking about Tom Cruise. I swear to God. I know. Um, that's too funny. That's a hilarious reference that I totally had forgotten about. But um, yeah, so anyways, I, I, I love this show so much. And I, I really, it's another thing I thought about at one point doing a podcast on because I'm such a huge fan of, of Below Deck and everything that happens on it. So they sent me some juice. <laughs> Why not? Okay, well, we would definitely let them sponsor us. Uh, that, that's so nice, Caitlin. I love when people do things like that. I know. Super considerate. I um, mentioned a, it's called One for the Road Brewing Company. And I'm, I'm not affiliated with these people. I don't drink alcohol. And One for the Road is a company in Alberta that does de-alcoholized beers. Ooh. They are so damn delicious. One for the Road Brewing Company. They're just a couple of guys that have started this, but they have like an IPA. They have a pale ale. They have a lager. They have a... Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. They're just unbelievable. So I'm going to put a plug in for them too. I'm just plugging everybody right now. Um, Do they is, make a stout? Wait, before we yes, go to the next they make topic. a stout. Okay. They, they make a stout. That's something that I have really enjoyed. Non-alcoholic stout is actually quite good. And I've had a few of them while I was pregnant. And I really like them. I didn't One for the Road Brewing Company does make a stout beer. Oh, and it's oh, very, yeah. my fridge is full of it. Anyways, my point was, <laughs> is that I did an Instagram post last summer. I was holding this ice cold beer, like a lager, de-alcoholized lager. And they flipped out that I had held this beer up because I don't do really paid partnerships on my Instagram page. I just, yeah. I just kind of don't do it. It's not for me. Yeah. But anyway, they sent me like a hundred cans of beer all these different flavors oh so, my gosh you know i was really trying to like drink three of them a day and they're big cans anyhow um moving on that's our sponsorship portion of the show <laughs> I, I did not think we would be talking about cord blood today by talking about your your pregnancy but i'm glad we did because i think it's fascinating to me where science is headed how how clever our bodies are when you think about COVID and everything that's going on, science saving us, like all the stuff and all the good things that are coming out of the development of this vaccine. Caitlin, you and I have talked about this, the science behind how this thing is put together, the vaccine itself. 
will lend it itself the, the, um, to just so many other things and dis- human diseases. Yeah, the research is incredible. Um, I just think science is, is to the rescue for us all the time, especially medicine. And it's incredible to see people, as we were talking about, living longer, healthier lives, thanks to all these advances. I just feel like as a, as a country, as a society, there is no better thing to invest in than medicine, than science, and then than infrastructure, um, because it, you just look at countries that really got their act together on that front after they dealt with their own respiratory illnesses. And I'm again, looking at you, South Korea, and they have done so well with this pandemic as a result, but that's investment, that's financial investment in that. And we need to keep investing in medicine and science because it's going to enrich all of our lives. Gosh, dang, might be a little bit better than petroleum. And (laughs) anyway, did I say that? Uh, Anyway, yeah, the the future lies in in so many different places. And it always makes sense to me when companies realize they can monetize information, Mm. that they can make money on actually helping people. Like when you can make money on changing, cleaning up pollution, when you make money cleaning the oceans up, that's when these big companies will step up and get involved when they realize, oh my God, there's billions of dollars in actually making the planet better. Let's do it. But it always seems like that money is always the big, that's, what everything hangs on. Can we make money actually fixing the planet? And that's when people seem to move. As we wind up this very bizarre podcast today, (laughs) I want to ask you guys if there's something that you have spent a lot more money on in the last 10 months than you normally have. So COVID has had us doing a lot of different things, whether it's shopping online at home, uh, loungewear, sweatpants, like what, what have you binged money on? Like Hmm. anything come to mind? Yeah, we've, we've uh, done a few things to improve our backyard and extend uh, the winter hang. So uh, my brother-in-law, very, very talented uh, deck builder, he could sponsor us. We can talk about his deck building. <laughs> well, he's a he's a firefighter by trade. Building decks and other projects are just a side hobby. But he is yeah. completely professional. So he <laughs> he built us a, a deck this summer. And um, uh, when it got colder, I said, "Forget it. Screw it. Let's do it." We bought one of those like restaurant grade yes. uh, heaters. Yeah. Yes. So I hang out in the backyard with my friends, and even if it's like zero degrees at night. You know, you could have just stood a menopausal woman out there. You could have saved your money, <laughs> found a menopausal woman in your neighborhood, and just, ma'am, can you just stand there, but six feet away from the children? And we would have just heated that place up. <laughs> that, okay, next time. But it, the, well, the good patio for you. heater is amazing. It's an amazing heater, and it, it has extended the hangouts. I don't think if it's minus 20 in a blizzard, it's going to work. But if it's even at zero degrees, it's good. It's plus seven here right now. And it was snowing oh, wow. 10 minutes ago. Caitlin, have you, what, have you spent money on probably getting the baby room together, but that doesn't yeah. have anything to do with COVID. That's the thing. Like baby room. Yeah. You know what? We're like, truthfully, my husband and I have gotten by uh, the skin of our teeth when it comes to technology. 
not that we aren't technologically inclined, but like, you know, because I work off of my phone all the time due to my strange hours, my company's always provided me with a phone or a laptop and same with his. So we never really had to invest a lot of our own money on that stuff. But this year we did. So like this year, it's like, and I invested in some good headphones. You get like a light ring because we would be doing Zoom stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we ordered our first like iPad Pro. That thing is a fortune. Ooh, love that. Yeah. So like there are those things that, that we finally spent money on because we weren't spending money on travel or dining out or clothing or all that stuff. So yeah, a little bit on technology, a little more on technology than normal for sure. I'm on every streaming platform. <laughs> I'm on Acorn. I got BritBox. I got Disney. I got oh Apple God. Plus. I have Crave. I have Prime. And of course I have Netflix. I have them all. So altogether, I think it was almost a hundred bucks a month, which is so stupid. I know that it's stupid, but I watch them all. I'm watching a yeah. series on Acon right now called The Poison Tree. Ooh. I'm watching a series on BBC. I'm on series nine of Vera, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I just... That's what I have. And I th said to myself, listen, I'm not doing the leisure suits. I'm not buying this or that. I'm not driving anywhere. I'm not even using any gas. Yeah. Like, I can't believe what I've not spent on gas this year. Cause I live in the country. So going back and forth into town, there's sometimes I don't leave the house for eight or nine days. Yeah. Like so I'm I think finally probably, going like, I mean, like, yes, you're spending more per month on that, but overall you're probably saving money. I'm saving money. Aren't you glad we didn't talk about Donald Trump? I am. Yes. Because that's me, all the time we have. Um, <laughs> we, we will. We'll touch base next week. There's lots of things that are going to happen this week. They're, mm -hmm. they're uh, impeaching him again. Apparently, things are going on. Anyway, we love you guys. Thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. You can subscribe. And that way, you're just reminded every week that we're there. And you don't have to go searching for us. Uh, Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh, we love you guys. Stay safe. I know you're getting tired of this. And... Um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm telling you, stay positive and lean on your friends. Stay in touch. Don't, we're, we're in the home stretch. We really, really are. Okay, that's just my little pep talk. Toodly do. We'll see you next time. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.